agree that a sick, twisted, horrible character in a horror movie is what makes the movie fascinating. But have you ever wondered how someone can think and create a character like this? Well, there is quite a few horror characters out there that are actually based on real-life people. So real-life people in the real world that committed real crimes. So I'm going to tell you three of my personal favourites. And the story behind these three that I'm going to tell you, I just find really, really fascinating that these people were actually like this in real life. It baffles me, it interests me. So if you've ever seen American Horror Story, and very popular, and they're on Netflix and Amazon Prime, I believe, they are a horror series and they are dark they are sick and they are twisted and they are brilliant and my favorite one is season four the freak show and if you've watched it then you will be very familiar with a clown who is called twisty so twisty the clown he worked for a circus entertaining children and doing what clowns do now without giving too much away for you a lot that haven't seen it i'm just going to give you a little bit of information about twisty and then we'll move on to the person that is actually based on. So Twisty worked for a circus, entertaining children, doing all the things that clowns are supposed to do, like I've just said. And some of the people that Twisty worked for were nasty to him. He was very slow, Twisty. He was dropped on his head as a child, as a baby, and he suffered from it. And he was very slow, and he was very gullible, and he absolutely loved children, he loved entertaining children, and I think it's because he was like a child himself in his head. But because he really enjoyed being around children, some of the people that Twisty worked with, they started telling rumours about him and telling people that he was actually molesting the children. And this caused Twisty to, to lose his job and he couldn't get work anywhere else because the, the rumour had escalated that quickly that the entire town knew about these rumours. Um, which weren't actually true. So to cut a long story short, Twisty had had enough of people bullying him, people accusing him of these things, that he tried to commit suicide. It didn't work. He ended up surviving. And without giving too much away, I don't want to ruin it for, for you that haven't seen it, but when he tried to commit suicide, it left him really disfigured. He went into a deep depression as you would. But Twisty had still got it in his head that he needed to entertain children, he needed to be around children. And the only way he could be around children was if he kidnapped them because families and people knew about these rumours so obviously they wouldn't let Twisty around the children. So Twisty had to kidnap the children and the only way that he could do that is if he killed the parents. And it may sound like I've gave a big part of the story away by telling you that little bit, but I really haven't. You need to watch it. There is a lot more to that story. So watch American Horror Story Season 4, The Freak Show, and let me know what you think about it. Honestly, you will not be disappointed. The creators of American Horror Story, they created Twisty based on an actual person. And this person was 
a serial killer and a rapist who sexually assaulted and tortured and murdered at least 33 teenage boys and young men between the years of 1972 and 1978 in Cook County, Illinois. And this clown, you may have heard of him, this clown was called Pogo the Clown or Patches the Clown he went by but the most famous name that he went by was Pogo the Clown and Pogo's real name was actually John Wayne Gacy and if you're a really big horror fan and you like to educate yourselves on serial killers and everything then John Wayne Gacy's name would have come up many a times because he is very very well known the story is well known So John was born into an abusive family. His father was an alcoholic and he was very violent towards John and his siblings and John's mother. So his childhood was pretty rubbish. He was being abused at home as well as at school. And the reason why he didn't fit in at school was because he had a heart condition, which meant that he couldn't join in the activities that the other children were playing which meant that he had no friends. He didn't make any friends. And as well as them two things, he also suffered with his sexuality. He struggled with it. He was very, very confused. So he had a pretty bad childhood. But when he grew up and was an adult, he like turned his life around and he had a pretty good life. He worked as a fast food chair manager during the 1960s and then went on to become a self-made building contractor in the 1970s. And he was very well liked and well known in his community. And he would organise gatherings and he was very active in the political organisations in the community. And everybody liked him. He was just a normal man who was married, um, but he was actually divorced twice. And he had two children as well as two stepdaughters. So he was just a normal, just a normal man with a normal family. He got married twice, divorced twice, had children, had a good job, had friends. Very well liked in his community. But deep down, John still struggled with his sexuality. He was still very confused and he was very, very ashamed of the way that he felt. He was very attracted to men and he didn't want to be. He couldn't control his feelings. So he took his frustration out on young boys and young men. And the way that he did this was, he was a member of the Jolly Joker Clown Club uh, in Chicago. And they frequently performed at children's parties or at charity fundraisers and they'd dress up as clowns and they'd entertain. So that's when Pogo the Clown was, was born, basically that he'd take his frustration out by torturing and murdering these young boys and men that he met doing the charity fundraisers, that he'd met doing children's parties. And he'd force them back to his house and he'd murder them, torture them, rape them. Uh, The way that he murdered them was by strangulation. And he buried most of his victims under his house, although there were a few bodies uncovered in a river that were nearby. Um, John got caught out in 1968 when he was actually arrested for sexual assault and that's when he just thought do you know what i'm just gonna throw a towel in i admit it i did all these killings and he admitted to 33 people believe that there is more but he only admitted to 33 and he got convicted for 33 murders and on the 13th of march 1980 john wayne gacy he was sentenced to death 
and he actually spent 14 years on death row before finally, on the 10th of May 1994, he was executed by lethal injection. So moving on, one of my, I wouldn't say favourite, but a film that I really, really enjoy um, from 1974 is a film called The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I know 100% everybody listening to this will have heard of it because it was, well, it was banned at one point. Then they, then they remade it and brought it back like three or four times or whatever. But I like the old version, the 1974 version. And it is about uh, a man that, that alongside his insane family killed people and wore their human skin as a face mask. And they were cannibals and they were just very, very disturbed people. And again, it makes you sit and wonder, wonder, wonder why or how anyone sits and thinks. I haven't got a mind that creative to sit and think about coming up with a character like that. But Leatherface, as he is known in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he is actually based on a real person called Ed Gein. Now, whether you've heard of him or not, Ed Gein was known as the Butcher of Plainfield, and he was an American murderer and a body snatcher from Wisconsin. And Edward Theodore Gein was his full name. And he confessed to killing two women, one in 1954 and the other in 1957, as well as going to the graveyards and digging up bodies. And he did that for five years. He did that between the years of 1947 and 1952. So for five years, on many occasions, I think it was 40 occasions, he went to the graveyard and dug up dead bodies. Now, there's a very dark reason as to why he dug up these bodies. He didn't just dig them up um, because it was just a hobby. Um, although what he did with the bodies was a hobby, a very sick one. But he did he'd put the bodies to use. And we'll get to that in a second. But on the morning of November the 16th, 1957, a hardware store owner of the of the little town that Ed was from disappeared. And it got reported that, that she was no longer in the hardware store and that people were concerned for her because it was very, very unusual that, that she'd just go off and disappear. But the day before she disappeared, Ed was in the hardware store and it was heard by many witnesses that he was going to come back the next morning to buy a gallon of antifreeze. That was that. He went home. Nobody thought anything of it. Just that this guy came into the hardware store and he was going to come back next day to purchase some antifreeze, which, fair enough. But the next morning, the hardware store owner had, had just vanished, disappeared. No sign of her anywhere. So people were concerned. Uh, I believe it was her son that rang the police and the police did some investigating. And one thing that they found in the store was the last receipt that she'd written. And the receipt was for some antifreeze that were purchased that morning. So when that got out, they'd found this clue. Quite a few people came forward and told the police that they'd heard Ed Gein the day before saying that he was going to go back the morning after, to buy some antifreeze. So obviously the police had put two and two together and they went to arrest Ed and question him. So when the police went to arrest Ed and they took him into the police station to question him, um, some of the police officers went back to his went back to his property 
um, to have a look round. And in the shed, they opened the door and that's when they found a decapitated body of a woman who believed to be the person that had disappeared from the hardware store was hanging upside down in the shed. She was hanging upside down by her legs with a crossbar at her ankles and ropes were tied around her wrists. And she had been shot with a twenty-two caliber rifle and some of her limbs were missing, but it was proven that she'd died first, so he'd shot her first and then the mutilations came after her death. So obviously shocked by this, but the police had to carry out the investigation further They went and looked around his house and that's when all the hundreds of gruesome discoveries were found. Things like whole human bones were found, a wastebasket made out of human skin. There were human skin on the chairs, so he had made chair seat covers out of human skin. There were skulls on his bedpost. He made bowls and plates out of human skulls. He'd made a corset out of a female torso that he had skin from her shoulders to her waist. They were leggings made from human leg skin. They were masks made from female heads. They were noses. There were lips scattered about all over. There were fingernails from females' fingers. And there were lampshade made from human skin so this was just just a small small fraction of what they found there was a hell of a lot more to that and if that isn't disturbing enough when they were questioning him and obviously told him they found all this stuff he couldn't deny it it was in his property so he owned up there and then and then told him that shortly after his mother had died it began to create a woman suit So he dug up a body and skinned this entire female body so he could wear it and walk around like his mother. He wanted to become his mother. So obviously he got arrested and he was later diagnosed as a schizophrenic and he was never ever to be released into civilization again. So so he got life in prison And on July 26, 1984, at the age of 77, he died of liver cancer. So that's where Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre came from. They based Leatherface on Ed Gein. So now moving on to the third one. This one is one of my personal favourites because it's not a person and I love haunted objects and this one is actually about a haunted doll love things like that all the paranormal the creepy stuff absolutely love it and this one is about a doll from the classic 1988 slasher film child's play now we're all very familiar with chucky who was very cute to start with until he started trying to murder people and ended up with scars all over his face then you look at him and you're like oh Maybe not so cute. But before he did that, when he was one of the good guys' dolls, it was a cutie, we've got to admit, it was a cutie. So anyway, in the film, the serial killer's called Charles Lee Ray, and he uses voodoo ritual to transfer his soul into a doll's in the effort of escaping from the police. And then the doll is given to a young boy, and that's when the doll starts terrorising the family. 
And Chucky the doll is actually based on a real-life doll that tormented a real-life family. Now, you might have heard of this doll because there is a film out there about him and his name is Robert, Robert the doll. There is a film and he was given to a young boy also named Robert. Full name was Robert Eugene Otto. And in 1904, uh, little Robert... The boy was given a doll from his grandfather for his birthday and he absolutely loved this doll. The doll were quite cute actually. It's um, made from from fluff. I don't know what, what the correct material is. But it looked very soft and it's got a cute little sailor outfit on. Again, very cute. And Robert was obsessed with this doll. That Everywhere Robert went, the doll went with him. He was obsessed with him that much that he actually called the doll Robert. So to not get things confused... Um, I'm going to call Robert the doll, Robert the doll. And I'm going to call the young boy Robert, Jean, because his middle name's Eugene. That's just so you know which person I'm on about, because we don't want to get confused because there's too many Roberts about. So shortly after Jean had received the doll, things started happening around the family home. So furniture was being broken and glassware was just randomly smashing and things were being moved and it was just unexplainable nobody could explain why these things were being moved and the first hint that something was was wrong that something was out of the ordinary was when one night Jean was 10 years old and he woke up to find Robert sitting at the end of his bed staring at him now that was impossible because Robert's a, a soft doll it looks like a soft doll, so it wouldn't be it wouldn't be able to sit up unaided. But the doll was sat up straight at the end of his bed, staring at him. And a moments later, Jean's mother was awakened by his screams. As he was screaming for help, and he was screaming out in fright. And when Jean's mother shot out of bed and ran to Jean's bedroom to see what was happening, all of his furniture in his bedroom was being overturned, and there were things flying everywhere. All his furniture were just were just being thrown around the room. And of course, Jean's parents put the blame on him. And they started questioning him and asking him why things were being broken and why you why you're breaking things, why you're throwing things around. And Jean denied everything. And he claimed that it was actually his doll that was doing these things, that he wasn't doing them, he wasn't in control. It was all his doll. And of course, his parents didn't believe him. Um, you wouldn't believe him if if you if, if if things were moving around in your house and, and you asked your child what was happening and they said oh it weren't me it was my doll you wouldn't believe it I wouldn't believe it so obviously his parents didn't believe it until they started seeing things for themselves they did the parents did claim that the doll would run around the house at night time and you could hear like footsteps running or you could hear like a devilish giggling and they knew it didn't come from from Jean, they knew it wasn't the son, and they also claimed that the doll, Robert the doll, was always changing his facial expressions, and he was moving his body, he was moving his arms, he was moving his legs, and it was just so unexplainable, nobody could explain why this doll was doing this, and they also claimed that on more than one occasion, they were sat downstairs, and Jean was in his bedroom, and he was talking to someone, and someone was answering him back, in a very different voice, that they believed that Jean was talking to Robert and Robert was actually responding back to him. So it was little things like that that kept happening. There were nothing nothing major, 
Um, it was just things like moving and, and the door running around the house and, and he's changing his facial expressions and moving his arms and legs and that. And the doll ended up living with Jean through his entire life. Jean had the doll up until the day that he died. And it, even when he moved out, he took the doll with him. But then when Jean's parents died, Jean and his wife decided to move back into his family home and they took the doll with him. But his wife felt very uneasy that Robert the doll was in the house and she pestered and pestered Jean to lock Robert the doll up in the attic so he couldn't do any harm to people because she'd seen for herself what, what this doll was doing, um, that it was tormenting people. wasn't hurting people, but tormenting people in the sense that you think you're going crazy because the, you're seeing a doll running around the house or, oh my God, did that doll just blink and stuff like that makes you like mentally tormenting you. And so she wanted him locked up in, in the attic so he, so he couldn't do that to people anymore. But then soon after Jean had locked Robert the doll up in the attic, every time Jean and his wife had a visitor that, to the house, the visitors reported that they could hear footsteps in the attic and it sounded like somebody were pacing back and forth and they could also hear someone giggling. And it wasn't like a child's giggle, it was an evil giggle, like a, like a devilish giggle. And a lot of the neighbourhood children often reported seeing Robert the doll watching them from the window in the upstairs bedroom. And they told Jean and his wife that Robert the doll was actually mocking them as they were walking to school. But Jean obviously didn't believe it at first because he had locked Robert up in the attic. There was no way that Robert could get from the attic into the front bedroom. But anyway, more and more reports started coming in that that Robert was staring at neighbourhood children as they were walking to school. So Jean then decided to investigate. And knowing that he had locked Robert in the attic, he went straight to the bedroom. And when he opened the door, he was in complete shock. Because when he opened the door, Robert was sitting by the windowsill in a rocking chair. Out of complete shock, Jean grabbed Robert, threw him back up in the attic, left him up there, but then... There were more reports coming from the neighbourhood children that, that Robert was still mocking them out of the window in the front bedroom. So several times, Jean went to the bedroom, found Robert, sat in the rocking chair, and put him back in the attic. Several times that happened. But then in 1974, Jean sadly passed away, and Robert the doll was left upstairs in the attic. What happened from then on? Uh, I don't know. I'm guessing that his wife even moved out or she died. But then a couple of years later or however many years later it was, there was a new owner of the house and the new owner's 10-year-old daughter was excited. She'd just moved into this new house. She'd got a new bedroom. She went and investigated the house and she went up in the attic. And guess who she found? Robert the doll. And she was very excited that she'd found this doll and she absolutely loved it she asked her parents if she could keep it and they said yes so she did but then her delight ended very very soon when she claimed that Robert was actually alive and many a time she'd woken up in the night and he was staring at her and he actually told her that he wanted to hurt her and this little girl was absolutely petrified and begged her parents just to take this doll away take it away because he, he's, he wants to hurt me, he's, he's scaring me, he would not leave me alone, take him away. So they did. And in 1994, 
her parents had donated Robert the Doll to a museum in Key West, Florida. The museum is called Marcella Museum in Key West, Florida. And it became a very popular tourist attraction. And people from all over the world had heard this story and they wanted to come to the museum and actually see the doll. And the doll was put behind a glass panel and you was warned not to touch the glass. You cannot touch the glass. And if you want to take a photo of the doll or with the doll, you had to tell Robert that you was doing it. Otherwise, he'd put some sort of, like, curse on you and also the warned you not to look directly into robert's eyes which i find very very creepy and like i said the 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 doll in 1994 was donated to marcella museum in key west florida and it's still there now up to this day july 2019 robert the doll is still in that museum So if you've seen Robert the Doll and you've been to visit him or you know someone that has, please let me know. Share your photos with me. I'd love to see them. And if you get the chance to go, go. I know I would be. I'll I'll be going. I can guarantee in a few years I'll be going to that museum and I'll be seeing Robert the Doll. So that's it for this episode of All Things Dark and Horrorful. If you've got any horror stories, any paranormal experiences that you'd like to share with me, and you can go on my Facebook page, which is All Things Dark and Horrorful. Let me know what you think about Robert the Doll and Leatherface and Pogo the Clown. And join me next week for more hair-raising stories that might shake you to the very core.